a listener production. Take it away, my dulcet tone to Donuts. Hello, Gistners. Welcome back for another episode of Just the Gist, a weekly-ish podcast in which Rosie Waterland and I, Jacob Stanley, give you just the gist of what you need to know about a story we think you'll find interesting enough to discuss at a dinner party. Do you do that all in one breath? I usually do. Yeah, that's yes. Nice. And I think we need to acknowledge the fact that we are well and truly, firmly, a weekly podcast now. I know. We haven't skipped a week for a long, 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 long time. I know. Yeah. We're kind of organised. But well, I, still, I, I can't let go of weekly months and months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, weekly. Uh, I, I always feel like we're going to be just the little ragtag potty that could. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, Actually, come to think, we're two episodes a week now. Yeah, we're two oh. a week now. We're more than weekly. Week, bi-weekly? Bi-week, bi-weekly. Weekly by something. Anywho, welcome, folks. Hello. Here you Rose are. Rose has got a story for us. Story episode time. Mm. Oh, I'm excited about this one. Okay, Jacob. Mm. It was a simpler time, Jacob. Mm. You and I had just finished a creative writing degree and realised we had wasted a lot of money on a creative writing degree. Christian Stewart and Robert Pattinson were still together and had a CGI freak baby in the last Twilight movie. Oh, Renesmee. Renesmee. <laughs> and for about 24 hours, every person on earth thought they could single-handedly end a war in Uganda just by watching a YouTube video. Today, my friend, I'm giving you just the gist of Coney 2012. Oh, <laughs> this would be in like the top 20 of stories people have requested and yeah. suggested mm-hmm. over the last few years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's been on my list, but I have done zero research and this passed me by yeah. in 2012. So yeah. take me by the hand and walk me through it. I shall. K-O-N-Y, Coney 2012. Or hashtag Coney2012 is what a lot of people call it. But, you know, Coney2012. People know it. Let's go. Not you people, because you don't know things, but people know it. So Coney2012, for Jacobs out there, was a YouTube video that came out on March 5th, 2012. And it was about 28 minutes long. And it was the first YouTube video uh, to hit 100 million views in less than a week. Which kind of sounds quaint now, but back then it, that was it really does. The only yeah. other people who had done that were like who had even got to a hundred million, um, and not in a week were like uh, Rebecca Black Friday, um, like Susan Boyle singing on the that a Dream to Dream, show. Yeah, yeah, like things like that. I think maybe one of Justin Bieber's videos had uh-huh. gone big, but this did it in six days. Right. No one else had done it uh-huh. that fast. It took people months and months to get to a hundred million views. Um, so the video's goal was to make a man called Joseph Coney famous. Mm -hmm. And this all comes back to the guy who made the video and he's called Jason Russell. Uh Let me give you a little, little JTG of him. Mm -hmm. Jason Russell was born in 1978. So he's about 10 years older than us. And he was raised by very evangelical Christian parents Mm -hmm. And they ran an evangelical theatre group called Christian Youth Theatre. So that is like evangelical and theatre kid. 
That's some intense vibes. Lots of brainwashing going <laughs> so on. There's a lot boy. happening there. He, um, when he was 13, he was interviewed in the local paper, um, I think the LA Times because they were in LA, about his devotion to theatre. And he said, as a 13-year-old, it's my life. It's what everybody around me does. I don't even think about it. I did my first show at eight and I have done over 20 plays since. You can't do this if you don't like it. You have to commit yourself to it. Mm-hmm. This is an intense young fellow. Very cultish vibes mm-hmm, there, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Indoctrinated. So he then grows up and goes to um, USC, School of Cinematic Arts. That's quite famously the school that had most of the um, college uh, admission scandal students. Oh, of course. Yeah, it's like kind of people joke about it being like um, the college where rich, dumb kids go. Right. <laughs> but, I mean, I don't, whatever. He went to film school there basically mm-hmm. um, in the early 2000s. So, you know, this is a drama kid, a theatre kid. Through and through. We know them. We went to drama school. They're mm. insufferable. We were. But, I mean, just, like, adding on the evangelical Christian thing, it's like, that's a lot. This guy would, yeah, it, just, not at the top of my guest list for any dinner parties. Sure, no. sure. So, after graduating from, like, this film school at USC, he and a couple of uh, of his very Christian friends decide they want to make a documentary about bad things happening in Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't know what. They were like, we'll just go there because there's definitely bad things happening in what I'm sure they assume is one country. Mm. Um, so they just get the, some camera equipment. And I get a lot of uh, young Christian people do this, don't they? They, like, go uh, to do some charity thing. like they'll, Missionary they go to, work. Well, not so much missionary work. Like, I'm thinking of that episode of The Office where... Um, there's a bus full of Christian kids who are going to Mexico to build a school or whatever. Mm. Like, it's like often it's not really useful to anyone. It's more just about them feeling like they're doing a thing. Like it's yeah, not yeah, Mormon yeah. missionary work, but more just like a lot of these Christian groups do just. Mm. I think a lot of them do have a bit of a you know, like, imposing well, beliefs probably, type yeah. slant on what they're doing. But, yeah, it's volunteer work and it's meant to be very sort of character building. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and also get some on side. Like while you while you're there, recruit. Yeah, yeah exactly. So um, they this the few of them decide they're going to go to Africa. They head to Darfur because at the time in the news there was like uh, a big war in Darfur. Like so, I guess that's kind of what they had an inkling. That's where the bad things are happening. Right. So they think we'll find something interesting there to film. Mm. Like not to help to film, mm. but they don't. They don't find anything. And then they hear about child soldiers in northern Uganda, and they're like, yes. Let's oh, do it. <laughs> jackpot. <laughs> and, and they're like, oh, my God, there's, like, Africa's a bunch of different countries. <laughs> I think that's when they <laughs> realise that too. Uh-huh. And, um, look, the situation is really bad there. Mm. So this is just the gist. I'm not going to go into, like, the detailed history of the civil war in Uganda, but basically there had been civil war going on in Uganda with different groups fighting to be in power one group ended up in government and the other group became like a rebel group. Mm. Um, and they were called the Lord's Resistance Army and they were led by Joseph Kony. Mm-hmm. And what was really awful and what they were most notorious for was kidnapping Ugandan children and forcing them to become child soldiers. Uh-huh. And this is not, it's, 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 it's bad. Like they would do things like force these kids to... Um, 
uh, shoot members of their family before they took them away because then they'd be too ashamed to go back. Like mm. they really it took these kids, indoctrinated them, messed them up. It's awful, awful, yeah. awful stuff. So, um, you know, it's it's said over the years that the LRA kidnapped over 30,000 children mm. to be either like uh, sexual slaves or child soldiers. 30,000. Yeah, over, oh. a, you know, long period of time. Mm. Um, the LRA mainly hit out sort of in jungle kind of hide enclaves and stuff. So um, Ugandan kids who lived in smaller villages surrounded by the jungle would uh, do this kind of uh, pilgrimage every day, walk kilometres and kilometres to get to the closest city called Gulu. Mm. So they would just sleep on the streets of the city at night because they wouldn't be kidnapped there, whereas they were at risk at home in their villages. Mm -hmm. Um, So there was this bizarre situation where in like the main city every night, there'd be hundreds and hundreds of kids just sleeping on the streets. Mm. And Jason Russell and his friends realise this is it. Mm. This is, this is the story. Like this is, this is the juicy, this is what we want. Mm -hmm. Kids and like and, and death and soldiers. So it's they're got like, it all. yeah, they're like, this is our documentary. So they follow a group of boys, um, one in particular called Jacob, while they're making this journey, like walking to and from the city, like mm-hmm. at night and in the morning. Um, and, you know, it was really horrible. Jacob had already lost a brother to the LRA. He was clearly like a very traumatized boy. Mm-hmm. So they get all this footage and they return to the US and they turn it into a documentary called Invisible Children. Mm-hmm. And they start a charity straight away called Invisible Children Inc. Incorporated. Mm -hmm. And um, its main goal is to raise money. Mm -hmm. The money they raise, though, is not going to directly help the children and their families that they met in Uganda. It's not going directly to, like, programs that will try and help rehabilitate, like, child soldiers who have managed to escape. It's not doing any sort of grassroots, boots-on-the-ground stuff like that. The money Invisible Children raises goes to awareness raising. Oh, God. (laughs) Awareness raising. So their main Mm. goal is to make sure people are aware there's bad stuff happening in Uganda and that Joseph Kony is a really bad man. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) what are they spending the money on that they raise? This is where it gets a bit scammy. They make the Invisible Children documentary and then they start travelling around to, like, schools to show the film and, like, raise money and Mm -hmm. to go to, like, Christian conferences, churches and stuff, show the film, raise money. So then they start travelling more and raising more money, showing it, and so then they decide to make another little doco and then they make something else and they're travelling around showing those. So they're basically raising money to raise awareness to raise money, to raise awareness. <laughs> like, that's sort of all they're doing. To fund their work. So that's they're raising money the to pay themselves. That's why I said it's the performers in them. It's the performers in them. It's they get to go around giving this, like, doing these talks, like, performing to people, mm. showing their documentaries. They're the centre of attention at all these things. Apparently, something like 89% of all the money they raise goes to filmmaking and travel costs to raise awareness. They've created their dream jobs. They truly have. And found a way to fund it. They truly have. But, I mean, people are on board. They're not a huge charity, um, but some celebrities are interested. Like Kristen Bell was, like, really involved 
mm-hmm. with Invisible Children. Um, and, you know, they had other events that they would do. So they had this event um, called Displace Me, where you would make a donation and then spend the night sleeping outside like the kids have to in Uganda, kind of like the CEO sleep out or like... Oh, like, 40 hour famine. 40 hour famine, like that yeah. kind of thing. They would do things like that. Um, you know the band Fallout Boy? Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. Wow. So they saw the Invisible Children documentary in 2007 and they were really taken with it, really taken with mm. it. And they thought, oh, you know what? Maybe we'll make our own documentary. But then they said, no, let's make one of our music videos about a love story between two Ugandan kids. And the music video was for a song called I'm Like a Lawyer with the Way I'm Always Trying to Get You Off. (laughs) (laughs) And then they just were like, but look at this beautiful, like, video we made about this love story between these Ugandan kids. And a member of Fall Out Boy at the time said they decided in the end a music video would be a lot more dangerous and compelling than just making their own documentary. And then he said, I mean, have you ever seen a love story between Ugandan people? (gasps) Oh, no. Oh, dear. (laughs) All these, like, married Ugandan couples going up. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Oh. <laughs> so oh. it's a lot of just that kind of very clueless, super white saviour complex. Mm. There's bad things happening over there and I'm going to help by doing this not very helpful thing and going on. a lot of money out of it. So, oh, and the Invisible Children charity released a statement saying that the Fall Out Boy video was groundbreaking. <laughs> They're all just up Is that a quote up. from a Ugandan? <laughs> yeah. They've never seen themselves <laughs> yeah. represented previously. So, <laughs> I mean, Invisible Children, the charity, is like getting some traction with the stuff they release, but nothing's been a major viral hit. Mm. Um, the concept of things even going viral was still kind of in its early stages back then, but they have like a good business model that they've Mm. created, sorry, charity that they've (laughs) created, like people are paying them to make movies and travel and perform and and then they just raise money to keep doing that. Mm. So if you're wondering what the vibe of the content is, like of what evangelical theatre kids are creating, because, you know, they do have to make content that is about Uganda Mm. as much as they probably are annoyed by that. Um, So I want to show you a little snippet from a a thing they made, um, one of the videos that they would travel around showing to schools and stuff. Do you want to come around here and watch it? Should we watch it together? You need to, (laughs) I can't, we'll play the audio for you now, but it is, it's, it's, this is exactly what you think they would make. Okay, here we go. Okay, I've got it to just the right spot. So basically they've, um, this the concept of this uh, video they've made here is that they're in a high school trying to talk to this assembly about Coney and trying to get the kids to really care about Uganda. And then all the kids are just yelling at them, like, caring about things is lame. Like, And so then at this point, this is Jason Russell and two other guys, I don't know, and they, like, turn around they're like, oh, no, the kids aren't listening to us. Like, what are we going to do? And um, I'll play it for you from here. I also really need to point out right now, this isn't satire. This is 
earnest in its. It, this is to them not a joke. I'm already holding my breath because of the fact that the title of this video is Invisible Children, the musical. Just you wait. Okay. Okay, you know, then let's give them what they want. Let's do what we always do. Dance. We're on a mission for you gotta deep inside your mind. Attention and a dance to make it sparkle and shine. Yeah. So <laughs> I know what we need to do. What we always do. Dance. Fucking white people. Yeah. <laughs> that is is that not the whitest thing you have seen in your entire life? Oh, I'm really confused by that because there are I know you said it's not satire, but there are moments where you think. Oh, no, they're making fun. No, no, it's serious. No, no, no. Oh. And those so this people, is... <laughs> like, that ultimately is going to evolve in, like, six years' time into the Kendall Jenner Pepsi commercial. Exactly. It, right? it kind of, that's basically what this, this is put, planting the seeds for that. Yes. So this is the kind of content they're creating. So they're making these kinds of videos and documentaries and that's the stuff they're taking around America touring, mm-hmm. basically just living out their <laughs> high school musical put theatre kid dreams on, you know, donations that I think people assume mm. are going to Uganda. Was one of them Jason? Yes, the, the, the main one. one who was like, dance. Of course. Yeah, that one. Yeah, the Nick Carter. Yeah. Mm. So, <laughs> so they um, started uh, Invisible Children, the charity, in 2004. Mm-hmm. And it's now 2012. So they've been making those videos, touring, making a pretty good living for, what, eight years now. Mm-hmm. Is that right, the maths? So it would really suck for them if the war ended. Well. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. So <laughs> they make and release Coney 2012 on the 5th of March expecting it to be the same as everything else they've done, like the Invisible Children doco that did quite well, that kind of music video stuff. They make this stuff all the time. So to them, this is just another one that they've made in a whole list of ones. But for whatever reason, Coney 2012 explodes. Explodes in a way that, like, they didn't expect, no one expected. Mm -hmm. And I'll describe the video a little here, just Mm -hmm. so you, like, know what's in it. Because I think... I'm sure everyone watched it at the time, but I couldn't remember what was in it. I had to watch it again to sort Mm. of get it. So it's all centred around Jason Russell, of course. It's all about him. Mm -hmm. And it's about his now him and his now four-year-old son because he's married and he's got, like, some kids, I think. And so he's telling his son, who's adorable, in very simple terms about this bad man called Joseph Coney and, like, bad, terrible things that he does. And his little son is like well, that's bad because, like, he's a four-year-old going, don't hurt kids. Like, and so then, so then Jason Russell is like, yeah, son, it is bad. And if even my four-year-old son can see it's bad, then shouldn't everybody else? And it's like, no one is disputing that kidnapping children and making them (laughs) child soldiers is bad. Mm. I don't think that's, you know, up for debate, but okay. Congratulations, you've raised the awareness. Yeah, Yeah. and then it's also kind of like, and imagine 
if they took my son, like imagine if they took your little white kid, Mm. like think about that. And so it kind of has that vibe. And then the concept of the video is the internet makes people famous now. Like the girl who sang Friday got gazillions of views and, and went viral and Charlie bit my finger, went viral. And so if the internet can make people famous these days, let's use the internet to make Coney famous. If we make him famous like other celebrities, then maybe people will care. Uh-huh. And there's no next step. There's no like, and then what? <laughs> it's just Joseph Coney's doing really bad stuff in Uganda and people need to know. Mm-hmm. And so then the video ends with a call to action, basically. It's like share this video, but also donate $30 and we'll give you for free an action kit. So you're just buying an action kit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has like a bracelet and a T-shirt and um, some posters in it. <laughs> and the posters are of Coney's face, Joseph uh-huh. Coney's face, and they are the same style as, um, remember the Obama posters back then? It was uh-huh. kind of animated and it said change, change. during the election. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like... Um, like Joseph Coney's face and then it has like make Coney famous or Coney 2012 on these posters. Mm -hmm. And then they say at the end of the Coney 2012 video, on April 20th, which is, you know, about a month and a half away, Mm -hmm. start of March, during the night, we want everyone to go around where they live and put up the posters. So when the world wakes up in the morning, they'll be like, huh? What are these posters? Who's Coney? And then they'll, like, make Coney famous. Uh And then I guess someone else will take care of it or they'll just make Coney famous. Uh That's the thing. So this thing, this video explodes, explodes. It, they wanted it to go viral and it became the fastest and biggest viral video ever. Mm. And they were really smart about it. Like, they made the video very, very easy and we'll get to the fact too simplistic, but very easy for people to understand. Mm-hmm. It was very consumable. And they also used hashtags in a way that, like, hashtags were kind of new at this point. Mm-hmm. So they had hashtag Coney2012, hashtag make Coney famous. So they made it very easy. You just watch the video, you share the video, you put the hashtag, bam, you just helped Uganda. Like, everyone felt like, yes, I'm, this is awful, but I'm helping. I'm part of the solution. I'm part of the solution. Uh-huh. So it hits 100 million views in six days. Jason Russell becomes probably the biggest celebrity in the world at this time mm. because everybody wants to talk to him, interview him. He's going everywhere. Like he's doing every news show. He's doing every press interview, talk show, whatever. Like Oprah wants to talk to him. Every celebrity shared it. Beyonce, everyone shared it. Mm-hmm. Everyone was like... Yeah, this is bad. Kidnapping and killing children and forcing them to be soldiers is bad. Yes, Mm. share. We did already know that, but friendly reminder. Yes, thank you for telling Mm. us this is bad. Mm. And so he's doing all of this and this all happens in like the space of 10 days. So he becomes this famous person. They were not expecting it. It just, it blew up. So that kind of major attention also means major scrutiny. Mm -hmm. But very quickly, 24 hours, people are like, Hold on a second. <laughs> this is when the term slacktivism was coined. Someone was writing about Coney 2012. Right. And critics started looking into, like, what's going on here? Mm. This feels 
off. So first of all, Jason Russell and his friends went to Uganda back in like 2002, 3, 4 or whatever. And Uganda had since then driven Joseph Kony out of the country in 2006. <laughs> He's not even in Uganda. Uh-huh. I just think maybe they don't know that. That he was, Six that he's gone. years later. So haven't. the LRA, the, his army, uh, was apparently in at this point in 2012 now made up of just a few hundred people and it was in neighbouring countries. Mm. But as of 2012, LRA and Joseph Kony had not been in Uganda for six years. Uh-huh. And the whole message of Kony 2012, the video was, we need to help Uganda, we need to get Kony out of Uganda. <laughs> and Uganda was like... We did. Yeah. <laughs> we did it six years Where ago. Where have you been? We're good. <laughs> like, mm. And so oh. then Invisible Children say, look, yeah, we know we're just trying to make a complex issue as simple as possible. And, like, you know, who's going to watch a, a deep dive video into the weeds of a decades-old civil war? Like, there's a lot of detail in it. And I get that. I mean, that is that is a lot of what to do with what we do mm. on Just the Gist. It's like... You want to know something, you want to be able to access like information or stories or history or whatever. And often the way those stories are told, are, it's too many details, it's too intellectual elitist, it's too, there's too much assumed knowledge. Like, mm. I get it, fair. You want people to be able to access this stuff to learn about it. But like, maybe not then raising money on the back of it and keeping the money and not mm-hmm. really doing much about it. Mm. Like, so, I mean, they say things like um, in the Kony 2012 video, they kind of imply that right now Joseph Kony is in Uganda with 30,000 kidnapped children right mm-hmm. now. And it's like, no, he, 30,000 children were kidnapped over many, 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 many years. Mm-hmm. Like that's not, they, they just were massaging things in a way that's dodge. Mm-hmm. And then people start asking about the whole awareness raising thing, like to do with the invisible children charity because they're not just asking you to share the video they're asking you to donate you can either donate whatever amount you want to the charity or you can spend $30 on this box this action box thing Mm -hmm. and so that's when people start digging into the finances of invisible children Mm -hmm. and realizing that they essentially just raise money to make videos to raise money to make videos to raise money Mm. that's what they they do it's implied in the video that the money you donate will go directly to children in Uganda. That's Mm. sort of how it feels when you're watching it. So critics are like, you've simplified the issue and got it out there. Sure, people care now, but what's next? Mm. Like, where's all this money going? Like, how are we actually going to help make Kony famous? Okay, and then what? Mm. (laughs) And invisible children are like, yep, we get it. Um, We are an awareness-raising charity, that's fair, yep. Um, And our goal, and this comes out of left field, is to lobby the US government to send our military to Uganda to help them kill Kony. And so huh. then all these people are like, <laughs> so your solution is to go to war? <laughs> is 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 military action in a country where he hasn't been for 6 years? And also like his LRA is made up of children that he kidnapped. So you're essentially saying we need to go in and kill the 30,000 kids you just showed yeah. us and told us to care about? <laughs> Declare war on them. Right. And then they also want to cooperate with the Ugandan government, like the the 
group in power, which, you know, has its own complex history and is a regime that also has a terrible human rights record and has been said to have engaged in a lot of the same tactics as the LRA anyway. They're just the ones who won. Mm. So <laughs> they're like, we'll just, we'll pick, we'll pick those ones mm. and, and send the army in. Get Obama to send in the army is basically what they're saying. Yeah. That's what we'll, that's, that's how we're helping. Mm-hmm. Evangelical believes God is on his side and it's all going to work out (laughs) because of faith. Yeah. So, um, oh, and also at this time, uh, a charity, I don't think it was Invisible Children, but a religious group in Uganda held a screening because it was like, guys, this movie's been made about you called Kony 2012. Like, the world is really excited and so they show it to this Ugandan, like, town they all come to watch mm. and apparently by the end people were throwing rocks at the screen <sighs> and they were, like, they hated it. Of course they yeah. hated it because it was like, that's not about us. Mm. That's about this white dude and his son and, like, a thing that hasn't, he hasn't been here for six years and, like, yeah, he's bad, but, like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what is, they were mad. The, they were mad. Local people were mad. No one wants to feature in tragedy porn. No. No. There was a woman even specifically who um, had a a disfigured face um, because of how she was treated in the LRA and they used footage of her and she she didn't give them permission to. She's like, I hate that I'm in that, Mm. in that, which is what is basically seems like a commercial endeavour. Like, it's not Mm. to do with helping. So, you know, Jason Russell and his evangelical theatre kid friends of the Invisible Children charity... They've got their wish. They have become famous. But in becoming famous, the veil is lifted and everyone's like, this is bullshit. Mm -hmm. All of this is bullshit. And so while this tide is turning, like truly over the space, less than two weeks, Mm. comes out, it's exciting, Jason Russell becomes famous, everyone wants to talk to him, and then people start going, hold on, this is dodge. Mm. And so Jason is in the middle of this crazy press tour when all of a sudden, like, the questions start changing and they go from being celebratory to accusatory and he starts getting, like, hounded. The interviews become interrogations very quickly. It flips very quickly where he's having to defend what they do and explain Uganda and explain everything, you know. And um, this is when, and I don't know if you remember this, TMZ releases a video of him having a total meltdown on a public street. He is naked he is ranting, oh. he is smashing cars, smashing the pavement, talking like a crazy person. People say there was some jerking off, but I don't know if that's, oh. I don't know. Just he literally seems like he's had a complete breakdown naked on the street. Mm-hmm. And so TMZ releases this video and this is literally like about 10 days after the Coney 2012 came out. It's mm. all just happened that fast. So he's taken to hospital where he stays for two weeks Um. He essentially had like a psychotic break and it took him two weeks to get back to reality. A lot of people have joked about the fact that like his representatives, his wife and the charity came out and said, look, he was exhausted. We didn't expect this was going to happen. He like wasn't eating or sleeping a lot. He has travelled to like 150 cities in eight days. He literally did just, he was exhausted. He had a break, like Mm. he had a psychotic break. And I believe, I'm like, yeah, that sounds... I'd say, sure, yeah, like, I don't know what happened, but... It tracks. He was exhausted, yeah. Totally. Makes sense to me. Um, 
And so, I mean, the naked meltdown was pretty much like the the end point of the excitement over Coney, hashtag Coney 2012. Mm -hmm. It went from, oh my God, this is amazing, to this seems kind of dodgy, to the guy in that video was just found naked on the street and now we're over it. Uh-huh. Less than two weeks. <laughs> Less than two weeks. <laughs> this all completely passed me by. Yeah. Wow. So he goes on to do an interview with Oprah later explaining what had happened kind of in an attempt to damage control. So he explains, I was exhausted. It all We didn't expect it. Like, none of our videos have blown up like this. We had no idea. Mm-hmm. And yeah, okay, whatever. So then <laughs> April 20th rolls around, which is the night where they were like, go and cover the night with the posters. Uh-huh. So everyone's going to wake up on April 21st and like, Coney's everywhere, which I guess they didn't expect that the video itself would Mm. make Coney famous. They thought they'd need the quaint little posters. Um, (laughs) During the height of Coney fever, thousands and thousands of people had registered in like Facebook events and stuff Mm. that they were going to take part in cover the night rallies, like everywhere, every city in the world. Uh, 17 people turned up in Vancouver. (gasps) Oh. Uh, Less than 30 in Brisbane. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there was about seven in Sydney mm. and notably um, because a, a journalist from The Guardian went and interviewed someone in LA, three volunteers were putting up posters and uh, one of them <laughs> said to the journalist, it's just been us the entire day. So by the time April 20th rolled around, <laughs> people were well and truly over it. <laughs> That's yeah. the nature of things going viral. How embarrassing if you were the one, one of the who ones went, who didn't get I the memo. I feel like it was probably just some nerdy Christian kids who thought, yes, this is this is still cool, right? And yeah. then they won. I'm a part of something yeah. and I'm not willing to let it go. Mm. So, did we catch Coney? Oh. No. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't. The chief prosecutor of the international... Criminal court. I shouldn't be laughing. I know, I know, I know, but also, yes. The chief prosecutor of the International Criminal Court got really into Coney 2012. Um, And I think maybe he saw a a little bit of a chance to, like, become famous himself. Like, Mm. it's always, like, the nerds who are, like, really fancy and important and then, but they have secret dreams of, like... I don't know, being a movie star or whatever. Mm. So this is the tree, chief prosecutor of the International Criminal Court who, if Coney was caught, he would be the one prosecuting him and trying him for war crimes and whatever. So there's a great podcast called Binge-topia that does an episode on Coney and um, they talked about this. Um, his emails, for whatever reason, were made public in 2017, like his emails from when he was the chief prosecutor mm. of the International Criminal Court. And he, at the time of Coney, was so excited about it. He was like, oh, this is to do with me because, like, if we catch him, I'm going to be a star because everyone, this is big. And so he had a plan. He was like, okay, I'm going to get Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt, who were together then. He met with them, apparently. Like, there's photos of them meeting with him. His plan was send them to Uganda, which he wasn't there, but everyone seems to have forgotten that. And they are going to be like, have their people reach out to Coney's people and be like, come to dinner, Coney. We want to meet you. Oh. And Coney will be like, 
Brad and Angelina want to have dinner with me? <laughs> so then he will come and meet them for dinner and they'll ambush him and arrest him. <laughs> that was this guy's plan. And then Brad and Ange can take home as many kids it, as, as a, they yeah, want. Yeah, just pluck yep. a few and, yeah. <laughs> take your fave. So he was really like, we can make this happen. And I guess maybe, I don't know, they realised, mm, wait. Everyone's over this Coney thing now. So they bailed. Mm. But he also apparently um, was hassling uh, George Clooney because George Clooney apparently owns a satellite or something. And he was like, can you please, George, um, like, can we use your satellite to like zoom in on Uganda to like find him? Like a where's Wally? (laughs) Like, and George Clooney was like, that's not really how satellite work. No, you can't. And so how did you get this job? <laughs> yeah, like I I, on it, I did not read anything about this guy anywhere and it was only when I was listening to the Binge-topia podcast that they brought up that his emails were released in 2017 and all this embarrassing stuff. About, so basically, Cody 2012 came out and he was like, yes, and now we're going to trap him with movie stars. <laughs> Just the whole thing is bizarre. The solution here requires celebrities. Yes. Yeah. So, oh, my God. Gosh. So, where is Coney now? Um, they think hiding in the sort of Sudanese region of Darfur, like uh, not Uganda. Mm. Um, he's certainly not in a strong position now. They think he'd be in his 60s um, and that he probably has l- well under 100 soldiers mm-hmm. with him. Um, the US and Uganda announced in 2017 that any official effort to find him was like the, they're just closing the case. They're not doing it anymore because mm. he's not in Uganda and even where he is, he's not really causing that much damage any anymore. Mm. So no one really is officially looking for him. He's just an old dude in the jungle from what I can see. Mm-hmm. Um, but they can't find him. I mean, that's if they found him, they'd arrest him, but they can't find him. Right. Um, Invisible Children continued awareness raising. Exploiting. There's no solid number on how much they raised from hashtag Coney 2012, but it's said to be somewhere around $30 million. <gasps> because it was everybody watched it. And everybody, if you didn't buy the kit, you could just donate a dollar. Like, it, they, they got a lot of money from it. A lot of money. Um, Hang on. I'm confused that they haven't had to, like, declare this. There's been no, like, regulatory body step in and go, mm, after a But they never audit. lied about being awareness raising. Charities are. There are some charities that are just awareness raising. Oh, that's so gross. So they have now apparently, I mean, I've seen some reports that say it's essentially shut down. Other reports say it's still going. But they did, they said, shifted into raising money for on-the-ground programs in Uganda rather than just, we're going to take your money and make videos to raise money to make more videos. (laughs) Um, Hire a choreographer. But, I mean, they are apparently still connected to a lot of very powerful evangelical Christian, like, groups, organisations, churches. There's a lot of money in that whole no shit. Part, of, part of the world. Mm. Um, so I don't think there's any shortage of money coming in. I mean, even still, probably. Mm. Um, Jason Russell is apparently still part of the charity. Mm-hmm. He did a TED Talk, in TEDx talk. <sighs> yeah. 
<laughs> TEDx talk in 2016. Um, basically kind of explaining, you know, we weren't expecting it to go viral and I had a breakdown, but basically still saying how great the whole thing was and how they had played such a huge role in changing the world. (sighs) (laughs) Pretty much. I'm not calling myself a hero. Yeah. Just a saviour. Now it's just kind of, you know, like a quirky story that people tell on podcasts like this. Like that really is just the gist of Coney 2012. Wow. Did you get swept up in it? A bizarre at the time? moment in time. Um, yeah, I went back. I went back through my Facebook archive to see, and I had um, shared it on the day. I'd shared the video oh. and just put hashtag Make Coney Famous because that's what everyone did. Everyone did. Mm-hmm. But then twenty four hours later, I'd clearly like read some shit, uh-huh. and then I put up like this really self righteous Facebook post about like. Do your research. Don't just believe this video, everyone. Like, like, where is the money going? Look into what's happening on the ground. Like, and I'm sure I didn't. I didn't do any of that. <laughs> like, I like was like, I've I figured out that it's dodgy. Um, but yeah, and then I couldn't see that I'd said anything else about it. Uh-huh. Oh no! And then a week later, Tony um, had sent me the. TMZ video of him naked on the street and we were like, ha ha. <laughs> like that was pretty much, that was it. And then I just don't think I thought about it again for years. Yeah. No one did. It was bizarre that it was just this huge thing that everybody like engaged with except you and then it just was gone. Yeah. Just like that. Mass hysteria. Yes. Just swept the globe. Yeah. Huh. Has anything like that happened since? Charity-wise, I don't, I don't think so. Not on that sort scale. Of like scam or trick that just goes completely viral, like like it was very of its moment in time. I think because it was, it hadn't happened before. Mm. We were in a place where social media, you know, had become a thing that everyone was on. Uh, we'd only just got smartphones yeah, like we'd a only, year or two yeah, before. Not that, yeah, recently. And like um, hashtags had sort of just become a thing that people were into. Mm. The sort of collective experience of all getting behind like something that's gone viral on the internet was still kind of novel. Mm. Um, and it had mainly been for silly things. But then this was like, oh, no, but look, like it. we were all kind of unsophisticated in the way we thought about things yeah. like that and... And they did, the Invisible Children kids, I mean, like charity people, Mm. there's no way they could have comprehended this was going to happen. Like no way. So even it took, they didn't know what to do. They weren't ready for it. Mm. Um, It blew their whole dodgy scheme wide open. But um, it just, I think it was a whole lot, it was a perfect storm of things for that to happen. And I'm not sure it could really happen like, that again, I, yeah, I really can't think of anything else. I wonder if you could draw parallels with QAnon where, mm. you know, certain people put certain conspiracy theories out into the world that then ended up going viral and they themselves developed this yeah. enormous following um, and started influencing people to do and think really, really wacky things. There's mm, probably mm, something mm. along those lines there. But, but yeah. also this one was so fast. Like often with QAnon once people are in it, they're in it. They're mm. they're in it. They're gone. They're stuck. This was like everyone loved it for two days, and then everyone hated Ditched them. It. 
mm. for, and then it was gone. Mm. <laughs> like, we all, like, got sucked in and then loved getting mad at them. Yeah. It was so weird. Milkshake duck. Mil- well, essentially they got milkshake ducked in a way, yeah. yeah. Huh. It, you know what I kept thinking of when I was researching this was um, when I was in, like, I think I was in year nine, um, I was at school in the Blue Mountains and there was this frustrating thing where the teachers' union um, – kept telling teachers to go on strike, like, mm. good, fine, they deserve better pay, all of that kind of thing. But where we lived in the Blue Mountains, once you're at school, you're stuck there because mm. everything's really far away, like a bus ride home, your home is forever. Like, So we would constantly be getting to school and then being told, the teachers are on strike, and then we we're just sitting around at school all day waiting for the bus to come pick us up. We got, and so we all got the chits. Mm. And so then one day we were like, let's hold a student strike, <laughs> me and my friends. To like, you know, because it, it's not fair. They should tell us before we leave in the morning so we don't even come in. Like, but we just got really pumped about this idea of a student strike. And so we were like, when should we do it? And I was like, oh, double science tomorrow so we don't have to go. Mm. And so we went to the library and we just got like a, a like permanent marker and had like student strike. Uh, they should be teaching us better tomorrow. Periods three and four, meet in the quad. And we put these signs up all around the school. Mm. And then the next day, I swear to God, it caused a riot. Mm. Like, it was a big school and everyone went to the quad. 2,000 kids, 2,000 students mm-hmm. all went to the quad, were all like chanting. No one knew what about. I didn't really know what about. <laughs> I just wanted to get out of science. And then the principal comes out with a like a speaker and a microphone and he's like, okay, well, I think... Um, whoever orchestrated this should come up and, and you know, he, rally your, your people. Demands. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, what have we done? What have we done? And my friends were all like, you're, do- you're doing it. And I was like, oh, my God. And so I went up. I was like, hi. And he was like, okay, he, here's the mic. And literally the newspaper came. Kids were smashing things. Like it was out of control. And I was like, hi, everybody. Um... Okay, thanks so much, everyone, uh, for coming. Uh, and they're all going, boo, shut up. Like, they didn't care who I was. They just wanted to get out of class. Uh. Literally was a mass hysteria riot. <laughs> and I was like, um, so I guess uh, the purpose of this was just, um, like, I guess, d- tell us tell us when you're going on strike or whatever. Like, um, but uh, and I was shaking. I was like, I can't believe I've done this. Oh. And I was like, so, um... You know, we'll we'll talk about how we can organise things better. And um, now you've all now you're all here, and we've done it. So everyone can go back to class. And as soon as I said go back to class, they were like, "Get back!" <laughs> it was out of control. And the principal's kind of looking at me like, "Happy." <laughs> and so then I was like, "Okay." Ugh. And so they had to literally like security came. It was so hard to get everyone to calm down. And then me and my friends had to go to a meeting with the principal, and he was like, "Okay." So, we have organised for the head of the Catholic Education Diocese or whatever <laughs> to come in to have a meeting with you to talk about your <laughs> issues and demands. And I was like, I don't know what my issues and demands are. I just, I just really wanted to get out of science. And so I was like, okay. I was like, and, and he was like, so we're going to do that. What do you want to do this afternoon? And I said, and I said, well, um, and he goes, do you, do you want to do a petition or something? Do you have? And I said, yes, a petition. And he goes, what for? And I said, 
um, to um, uh, just to, to be more organised about, you know, the thi- that stuff. And he was like, okay. So he gave us permission to go around to every classroom in the school that afternoon to get people to sign a petition that we didn't really understand what it was for. Mm. And then the next day, the head of the Catholic, like, education whatever came in and was like, and we were like, here's our petition for what? And he's like, we were like, well, just tell us when the teachers are going on strike, please. <laughs> and he goes, okay. And then he goes, well, I suppose if you ever want a recommendation to work at a union, I'll do that for you. And I was like, ha, 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 okay, ha, ha. I didn't even know what a union was. I was so confused. And and then they were like, okay, so we think the school should form a social justice group because clearly all you, like, you kids have feelings about things and you want, and want to get this done. And um, and so we'll have this social justice group and um, that sounded boring to me, so I never joined. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like more work. The whole purpose of this was less. Less work. Yeah. So this, I couldn't stop thinking about this story because I was like, I literally, like, just, it got out of control. Yeah. And it, they wrote about me in the paper and, like, I was talking to important people from the Catholic office school thing and I was like, I don't know, man. Oh. This was entirely self-serving. <laughs> just like Jason. You were just simple grifters who got caught up in a dangerous game. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Went so too far. Went too far. But, you know, we weren't taking lots and lots and lots and lots of money and promising we were going to give it to victims of child kidnapping. Yeah. Yeah. In a war-torn country. Yeah, that is a subtle difference yeah. between you and him. Yeah. Mm. So that's that. <laughs> that's only 2012. <gasps> nice. Wow, that's so much wilder than I expected yeah. it to be. I know. Crazy. With so much more dancing. <laughs> <laughs> I know what we need to do. Well, we always do. Dance. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> Jacob. When is the last time you planned a party? Um, oh my God. Well, now I seem like a loser. Why would you put me on the spot with a question like that? I don't know. What, when was the last time you planned What do you want to tell me? Next week, yeah. I'm going to be telling the story of the most epic, opulent, expensive party that was ever thrown. This is the story of the Shah of Iran's billion-dollar celebration. This is why it was such a minefield for them to try to figure out because they didn't want to put a foot wrong, but then they would put a foot wrong. And then, of course, everyone's sort of thinking about where do I rank compared to him and to her. I wonder who was at the very end. Probably the Governor-General. Oh, yeah. Would make sense. <laughs> that makes sense. It was like I would have done all yeah. that. <laughs> That's true. Listener.